That's what inspires me when people, they don't just get beaten up and they become victim. And the challenges they went through just to survive day to day was immense. And she just kept going, she kept smiling and she kept saying things like, you know, I've got to deal with it, Dad. You know, I'll do it. And, and at one point she turned around to me and said, you know, I've learned this from you. Fuel your dreams, ignite your inspiration. Join us and feel at home here at Fearless Inspiration. To be told you're rubbish constantly all your life is awful. It's a horrible thing to do. And to have somebody to say, I believe in you, you can do this. And I stayed with him, I stayed with him longer than two years. But I stayed with him and I said, well, I'm going to be here for two years for you. I think genuinely helping other people, you know, and seeing other people genuinely helping someone is really what gives you that good feeling. And today's guest is Neil Stewart, who believes that massive action with the right strategy equals massive results. He's been mentoring students on their property journey for many years and is the founder of Icon Property. Hi, Neil. Thanks for joining us today. Where are you calling from? Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. I am in the West Country in Wiltshire in a, a little town called Chippenham. Brilliant. Right, I want to jump straight to the inspiration, if that's okay. Could you tell us who inspires you the most and why? Okay, so inspiration. I mean, when you when you sent me this, uh, this question, it was kind of like... Uh, who does inspire me? And I've had this question over the years. And I think the, the most inspirational, it's, it's a strange thing to say this is, the most inspiration I see is from my son and daughter. They're both, they're both adults. They're both grown up. But during lockdown, my, um, my daughter lost all of her work. She's in the, she was in the events industry. Um, her husband lost all of his work. He was a pilot. And they just bought a new house. Um, and the challenges they went through uh, just to survive day to day was was immense. And she just kept going, she kept smiling, and she kept saying things like, you know, I've got to deal with it, Dad. You know, I'll do it. And and at one point she turned around to me and said, you know, I've learned this from you. You know, and that was that was one of the most inspirational things to hear my daughter say something back to me. My son had a very similar challenge with buying a house which all fell through and he had all his hopes and his new girlfriend and his, and his uh, fiance to be um all planned on it. Everything went through, but he kept going, he kept playing on and it's just, that's what inspires me when people just, they don't just get beaten up and they become victims. They kind of say, okay, this happened. Rubbish has happened in my life. How can I deal with it? Not, oh no, look what's happened to me. We all go through that. Don't we? we all go through that for about five minutes or so. Well, try and limit it to five or 10 minutes and say, okay, so I've had a tough day. I've had a bad thing happen to me. Let's, okay, we've got to, we've got to notify or, or register that and then just say, okay, right. I've had me downtime. Let's go and do something about it. Yeah. No, thank you so much for that. And it's only in the last few months I read something that said the opposite to victim, which I realize I've definitely inhabited that mindset a lot in my life, is creator. It's like, wow, that is so open. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying people can necessarily create if they're in a bad situation, but, you know, it, it just yeah, takes the edge off that, for me anyway, that, that like neediness yeah. quite as much. Yeah, thank you for that. Right. Now, can you tell us something that you both good at and you love doing something that drips out of you a passion <laughs> all right okay so uh so again this is a, this is something that i had to think about a little bit about i mean i um i used to be really really good at hockey and i used to love hockey um yeah. and i used to, to love playing but as you get older the brain kind of thinks you can do stuff that you can't and i got into a little bit of coaching and doing that kind of that kind of um helping the youngsters you know and and helping them sort of get to a, a better and better. And I really do love hockey. I think um, I think genuinely helping other people, you know, and seeing other people genuinely helping someone 
is is really what gives you that good feeling. I mean, not necessarily me, me seeing other people doing it. Um, for example, my best friend Heather, who you know, yeah, um, you know, she she recently married a guy. Um, Heather's uh, in sort of I won't give you her age away, but she's in the middle of her life, I suppose, and uh, similar age to me. And she married a, a new guy, a guy called Brian, lovely fella. But Brian's mum needs care, needs uh, regular care. They were struggling with uh, the care side. So Heather just said, look, let's convert our garage. She can move in with me. Now, that's amazing. You know, can you imagine finding a new partner and then saying to that partner, do you know what, I'll have bring your mum in and we'll look after her. And, and there was there was all sorts of, of challenges for Heather um, with that. But she just took it on her chin and got on with it. And that, for me, that's that that makes you smile, doesn't it? That makes you feel good about humanity, and there and there are people out there, genuinely out there, that really will just help you just because they want to. Thank you. Wow, that's yeah, just made me speechless. Actually, I've been yeah, spent you know a few days with Heather, and I, I didn't really know that. So thank you for that. Right. Uh, well, I've got a little bit more. Uh, on your background here, if that's okay. So um, you're in the military for, I think, almost 14 years in the Royal Corps of uh, Signals. And then yeah. um, you came out of that and decided to step into property. And amongst that property journey, at points, I believe you've been a letting agent and then you, you became yourself a property investor. But for quite a few years now you you've been coaching other people on how to go on their own um property journey and and you've now founded ICANN property training so can you tell us some of the things that inspired you along any of that journey okay well so so when the army was really um my parents were in the my dad was in the army I was in an army sort of uh, posting and the, the schools there they have the careers officers come around it's kind of like what should I do what can I do and it just at, at 15 16 you kind of off you go and do that. And I, and I did that for 14 years. I think, I think realistically, I was very, very naive. Young men or young boys think that, you know, you got off to war and all that thing and it's glorious, but it's not. And I was very, very fortunate not to have, get involved in any conflict. Um, but I also realized quite early on that I don't really like people telling me what to do. When, um, when, so, so Royal Corps Signals is communications and communications started to get involved with uh, computers and things like that. And I learned a lot about that. But of course, your seniors or your your higher uh, ranks didn't really know what the the was to be done, and they would say things like, "We've got to do this, you've got to do that," and I would say, "Well, you can't really do that with that system, you know." And then you'd say, "Just do it. Don't argue with me." And that, and that kind of stuff used to really, really annoy me. So it was it was time after fourteen years to say, Let, "Let's leave this alone." I I didn't have a bad time in the army. I had really some lovely postings, and let's go off and do the other things. I mean, I did do I did have a company for IT for a little while, but then then I got into property. Um, and was working with a training company who you know and, and uh, have uh, did my training with them. Then was asked back to be a, a mentor and a coach for them for the best part of eight eight years now. Um, but a really good mentor of mine said early on in the uh, in the mentoring career and coaching career, at some point you will find something with the organisation that doesn't sit with your values, and at that point you need to decide: are you just going to accept it? And carry on or are you going to walk away uh, and, and do something else and it's very easy to accept it to work on you know I was getting handed work quite regularly I was booked up for a year and a half in advance of people wanting to do it but when that moment happened I remember that voice and I just thought no I can't do this I've, I can't I can't genuinely 
do I want to go into detail, but I can't do what you're asking me to do because I, I really want you guys, people that we're coaching and mentoring and teaching to, to really benefit and genuinely want them to do well. Um, so that's why I decided that's it. Um, in lockdown, funnily enough, because lockdown, there wasn't much happening anyway. So we decided let's set up the company and let's give this a go for people. And I've started quite small. I've started on a basis of um, having 10 to 20 people a year on a kind of a mentorship program with coaching and teaching for the whole year. Um, and that's enough because I can give them as much time as they need whenever they need it and, and support them all the way through the journey. And I'm really enjoying it. Being able to get back into the classroom with people and face to face is fabulous. I realize that that's what, what I love the most. He said about inspiration and people. That's what puts a smile on my face. You know, that's kind of makes me feel great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And on one of the, the property courses that I attended that, that you were teaching, you, you, you're quite a specialist on this more social or supported housing um, area, which is helping more vulnerable people with accommodation um, that they need. And there were some really inspiring stories that you came came with that, um, especially when I think you'd been involved with a, a letting agent uh, in, in that kind of space. Is there any, anything from that area that you'd, you'd be happy to share? Well, you know, there's... Um... I'd share a story in a moment about a lady that I've helped, but you know, there's a lot of people out there in various tough times for various reasons. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, you see these programs about, um, you know, slum landlords, or you see these programs about slum, slum people, people that, um, don't look after properties and things like that. And everybody gets tarred with the same brush because you're on benefits. You might not be. A nice person or you might be a little bit you know uh, you might take an advantage of the system and things like that well yes there are people that do that but there are a lot of people that don't um and i've come across a lady recently who actually is um she, she's been bankrupt she's been in financial difficulty she's divorced etc etc she's got a couple of children that are, um need a lot of her attention and uh she's actually got a cleaning business started and uh we met i met because i asked her to come and clean my house and um, I was chatting to her and she was a lovely lady and she asked me if I'd mentor and, and help her. And during our conversations about mentoring and helping her with, with uh, her business, not necessarily property, I found she was renting a property and the landlord was just not looking after her at all. Um, the story, one of the stories was she's got a couple of dogs and the dogs were going mad in the house and they were at the floor. And she, she realized they had mice and, and rats coming in underneath the floor. Told the, um, the landlord. So the landlord came along and all he did was put a little bit of wood where the hole was. And of course, that didn't stop anything. And he kind of said, well, you know, tough is not my problem. Um, and she was constantly, she'd done an awful lot to the house herself. She'd put new kitchens in and things like that. And he really didn't care. And it just happened that I managed to pick up a property in auction um, that I was about at that time. And I said to her, would this be useful, useful to you? And she went, well, yeah. I said, well, tell me what rent you're paying now. And we did something like a rent to buy. Basically, I said to her, look, the house needs doing up. Without this strategy, the house would, um, wouldn't have been a, a going concern, wouldn't have been a great, uh, investment for me. But I said, if you look after the house, you put in your own kitchen, do, do the house up, way, carpets, paint, decorate, whatever you want to, because it's going to be your home at the end of the process. So we, we talked about a five year process. She's going to rent for five years. During that five years, at any time she's ready, she can just say, Neil, I want to buy it. And we fix the, fix the price that works for her. Um, and it's just, 
she is so grateful that she's got this place where um, she can do what she wants within reason. So don't go knocking walls down in it and uh, things like that. But within reason, she could do what she wants. She paints and decorates. She phones me up and she says, I'm ordering a kitchen. Would you want to come and have a look at the colours? And I'm like, I really don't care. It's your house. You can do what you want. But she's so invested. She, she called me up when the carpets were put down. She called me up when it was being painted. Can I come and have a look? Can I come and help her? Um, and that was wonderful. And, and she's, you know, she's, she's, um, a really lovely person. It's nice to be able to give someone a step up because she's credit, a credit shot. She couldn't get a decent rental or a house herself. And she just wanted somewhere to live, feel safe and actually do things that she wanted to do in the house and, and benefit from it herself. Yeah. No, thank you, Neil, for helping her out in that way and helping, yeah, inspire other, yeah, people that might, yeah, not realize that they could do the same. So, yeah, thank you for that. And I believe you've done some work with the Princess Trust. Uh, could you tell us anything inspiring in, in that area? Yeah, absolutely. There was um, a while ago, somebody mentioned to me that the Princess Trust were looking for mentors, business mentors. And I went along and had a chat and the lady that was there was was very grateful that I came along and offered my services. We do a, a kind of a three-day training course on, on really about how to deal with young people. So the Princess Trust work with uh, youngsters up to about 25 years old and they're any range of youngsters maybe they didn't do well at school for whatever reason perhaps they had um with one one girl had to bring up her own siblings because her parents had passed away all these kind of things and they they don't get the opportunities or the self-esteem is a little bit lower than perhaps you um perhaps somebody who's had those opportunities um so prince trust they help them they get them involved in uh work placements and help them uh maybe with a cv to get jobs but some of them actually say they want to do their own business. And so that's where I came in. And I said that um, I became a business mentor for the Prince's Trust. And when these these people decide what they want to do in their business, they do a little, it's like a dragon's den thing. They do a bit of a launch. They launch their product and then they're given a mentor for two years. And the biggest thing that was I remember really clearly from is it was I was told, if you're going to mentor these youngsters, you're committing to them for two years. Um meeting with them every month or talking to them every month about their business, but your commitment has to be there because everybody's helped said to these kids, we'll help you and then left them and then walked away from them. So they're used to this. So that was a very strong message. And I get so much pleasure from it because they're so enthusiastic. They're so excited about it. You know, perhaps they don't actually have a business really. Perhaps it's a hobby, but they love it. And actually you've got to kind of gently say to them, okay, so if it, I've got one lady that makes some um, rings and jewelry. Um, but it takes them maybe six or seven hours to make this really nice jewellery. And she sells them for £14, £15. And I could say to her, like, so pounds per hour, how much have you actually made on that? And so try to get her into a way of thinking that how can she maximise her time? And I love that kind of stuff, you know, trying to sort of get them to, to realise different ways of doing things that might be quicker, that can make a better money for them, to, to make a living out of it rather than just a hobby. Brilliant. And I'm, I'm guessing what, you know, when you're meeting these young people who are, are passionate and um, have got different dreams about being an entrepreneur, is, is there any one thing that either you, you, you notice in ones that you think are going to be, you know, really successful or, or any one bit of advice you give them, anything in that area you could give us? The passion's there. You know, the young, young people are very passionate and I love it. They're very excitable. They're very, they want to do um, a lot. And, and, most of them have been like that. Most of them have been 
once they realize the, the, the business elements of it, actually they'll get a girl. I've had a, a one lady who was one girl that was put up for rewards because she did so well. Um, and they're all very, very, very excitable, very, very passionate about it, which is beautiful. But the one thing, one thing that stands out in my mind is one young lad and I met with him for the first time in a coffee shop and he came and he brought his mum with him. And this lad is probably about 23, 24. And I didn't, I, re- I didn't realize it was mum. Two people came in the door. I was sat with my cup of tea. He came in and I sort of mum went and sat in a different chair and he came over. And I said to him, who's that? He said, that's my mum. I said, oh, she want to come and sit in and listen as well. And he said, can she? He said, yeah. So she sat down and she was listening. Um, and there was a question I asked him at one point. I said, so he did websites. So he was creating websites for people. And I said, so what, what um, people have you spoken to? Have you gone out to visit local businesses? Have you knocked on some doors? And that kind of thing. And he said, no. And I said, okay, well, why haven't you? He said, well, who's going to buy from me? And I said, pardon? He said, who's going to buy from me? I said, what do you mean? He said, look at me. I don't look very nice. And he didn't look um, ugly or or unattractive, but his own perception of himself, because he wore glasses and his hair was a bit messy or or whatever, and he um, maybe he, he didn't really understand how to dress to go to businesses and things like that. His own internal perception was awful of himself. He didn't think anyone would buy from him because they'd look at him and say, you're rubbish. And just that one moment, I, I, I spoke to him, and his name was Sam. I said, Sam, come on, come on. You're, you're a, a good-looking fella, or even, you know, you're a normal-looking fella, nothing different to you. There's nothing to be worried about. We need to just get that out of our head and just get in front of people. If you don't want to get in front of people to start with, I had him just sort of emailing or making phone calls, and then eventually his confidence slowly grew. And, and when he sold his first sort of website, somebody started to pick up and it started to build. But, you know, he's 20, 23, I think he was, 23 years, all through school, all through his life, people had told him he was rubbish. He was useless. He had he had medical challenges as well because he had um, problems with his heart and his breathing. But, um, you know, to be told you're rubbish constantly all your life um, is awful. It's a horrible thing to do. And to have somebody say, I believe in you, you can do this. And I stayed with him, I stayed with him longer than two years. Um, but I stayed with him and I said, well, I'm going to be here for two years for you. And me, him and his mum got a good little relationship going in the end because his mum would come along and she'd sit down for a minute and she'd go off and have a coffee and she'd come back over and, and pick up what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really moving. Yeah, because I'm hoping to help, you know, for people who are low on self-belief or forgotten to wave their own flag you know, any listeners to this podcast to, you know, try and give them sort of a boost to to improve themselves. So so that that really helps. And uh, yeah, that self-perception, yeah, on one of the previous guests, yeah, it really made it clear it's malleable. You know, it's not set in stone. It's, you know, you can change your own perception of yourself and and that can really, really change things. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Is there a time when you yourself were at a low ebb and something managed to inspire you through? So um, this is quite personal. So there was, a, I've been or was married for 32 years, ever since I was sort of 18, 18, 19, I got married, well, about nearly 20. And um, I had a, a fabulous wife, two fabulous children. Um, but when I started doing things differently, I got into, so when I'm about 40, I got into property really decided that was it this is what i want to do i didn't know what i wanted to do really before that i was just good at stuff i just did what i was good at um but as i 
did a lot of personal development in that in that sort of five to ten year period. I did a huge amount of personal development. I'd never really read any books because I'm slightly dyslexic before that. I started reading personal development books, listening to audios and various people um, about, you know, self-talk like we just talked about. Um, and I changed a lot. Now, what happened there was my my wife at the time, she was she got scared that I was changing. and She didn't really come along with me on the journey. She didn't believe in that journey. She was very skeptical of it all. And she was worried at one point. She said, I'm worried you're going you're gonna to leave me because you're changing who you're being friends with, who you're talking with. You're... And I said, but don't you think that I'm actually um, better in myself? I'm happier in myself. Do you not see that? And she kind of said, maybe sort of thing. But that went on for a long time. And, and the, the biggest low was for about two years previously, I, I realized that she just wasn't on board with what I was doing and how I was doing things. And there was no, it wasn't wasn't because there was another woman in my life or I, I felt any drawn to anything else. I just couldn't stay there any longer. I couldn't stay with her any longer because for two years I've been trying to see, get to see my, and that was the scariest point in my life, the most lowest point in my life because I'd always been with someone since I was a kid, effectively. You know, since I was 16, 17, she was my girlfriend, my, my wife. And to take that step out and suddenly be on your own, that was that was a really scary low moment, definitely big low moments, blaming myself, saying I shouldn't have done that. What have I done to her? Why? Because she was destroyed. She was so upset about the whole thing. And then I was like, well, you know, what am I doing? I've hurt someone so badly. And that kind of thing really, really hurts me if, I hit, if I've hurt somebody. Um, and at that lowest point there, that's the, that was one of the lowest points I've ever been. And I met a lady, an old Irish lady in her 80s, um, wonderful lady, very clever lady. And she said to me, you know, you've got to listen to your heart and you've got to follow your heart. If you don't follow your heart, you'll be unhappy. She said, I'm not saying it's the right thing you've done or it's the wrong thing you've done. But if you don't get back in touch with your heart and listen to your heart, because your heart tells you what's right for you. You're never going to be happy. And when I did spend some time and try and listen to my heart, I realized that actually staying in that relationship was wrong for me and leaving that relationship was the best thing to do. Now, I didn't know if I was going to meet anyone else, if I was ever going to be with anyone else ever again. But my heart was telling me it's wrong. You're, you're not you're not doing the right thing for you. Uh, and that's where I am now. I mean, I have met somebody. Um, that was about nearly three years ago now I left my wife. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing such a, a personal story. And and if anyone is thinking maybe I need to myself get in touch with my heart or try or a little bit more, I mean, for some people it, it, it's a natural thing and for some maybe it's less natural and it might be a unique way for each person to do that. But is there anything you could share in, in terms of making a first step towards doing that? Yeah, there's a lot of people. And when it first started for me, I was like, how am I going to, how do I get in touch with my heart? How do I understand what's, what's right for me? And, um, how do I know? And it, some people call it your gut feeling, I suppose, or you, you naturally have a feeling. Uh, if, if, for example, I like it to look in at houses. If you walk into a house and you're walking into a property to buy a house, um, and you know everything's right, all the numbers stack up, you can get this at a bargain, you could turn this into a really good property. It can give someone a lovely home to live in and earn you some money as well. So win-win. But you walk into that place and something feels wrong. Something about that doesn't feel right and that's kind of your gut or your heart or your energy or whatever you want to call it just saying to you don't do this um and I didn't understand that concept until somebody said listen to your heart and I started to realize that's what's going on something something's telling you and until you 
you realise that you, you don't know any better. And that didn't buy in that particular didn't buy that house, and that house was a real problem for the person who did buy it because I knew the person who did buy it, it never never caused them caused them lots of problems or you know lost them a lot of money. But listen, listening to your heart, uh, you you could talk to people. There are, there are a couple of people very great people that I've talked to um, two people in particular that, that lady I mentioned and who's um, in a you know nearly 80s now very very wise clever lady um, and a, another lady called Sandy who uh, who are both of them I've kind of learned a little bit from them about you know how do I get in touch with my heart but I think for people that just want to try it just listen just you know we've got two ears and one mouth just just shut up shut your brain up and just think how am I feeling about that? How am I feeling about that situation or doing that or taking that chance or, or whatever it is? And if it's right for you, then, then you'll know. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. That's, that's really, really helpful. We're only halfway there with Neil. Check back here next week to get loads more content from him. But for now, today's top 10 hits of inspiration from Neil are 1. Get inspired by the resilience of your children and what they have learned from you. 2. Get inspired by the option of being able to ask yourself how you can deal with the situation while trying not to feel too much like a victim, if possible. Three, get inspired by hockey. Four, get inspired by the people going the extra mile, like Heather inviting Brian's mum in. Five, get inspired by helping people do well in your area of expertise, maybe giving people mentoring and getting people in the classroom. Six, get inspired by helping people get on the property ladder with rent to buy. This can help people with poor credit. Seven, get inspired by the Princess Trust, doing amazing things. Eight, get inspired about having a good perception of yourself so you can get out and get in front of people to do your thing, be that sales or whatever. Self-perception is malleable. Nine, help others to improve their perception of themselves. 10, get inspired by self-development. And finally, 11, get inspired by getting in touch with your heart. Thanks so much for joining us today. See you next week. Thanks, Ben Sound, for the music.